Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Kaushik, so you wrote an interesting blog post recently. (laughs) Yeah, it was basically fire on fire on fire. (laughs) What was the initial, like the impetus of the, what kicked that, your blog post off? I know it was a tweet of some sort, but what was the tweet about and kind of why did you decide to write it? There's this really famous tech reporter slash journalist uh, who goes by the name uh, Ben Thompson. And he wrote this post on his uh, very famous tech blog called Stratechery. So it's more like a newsletter of sorts, okay. uh, you know, like a daily update or something. Uh, he wrote the, he, well, he tweeted this thing because he's re, he recently jumped onto Android and I think he's using an Android phone. It's the Sony Xperia one mark two i think that's what it's called godspeed (laughs) yeah yeah i mean he had good things to say about it for the most part uh but then he also like went on to saying like yeah the third party apps on android are basically garbage (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he so where it really got controversial is in a subsequent tweet he basically said and you know the only folks to blame are the de- developers. They should really care. They don't care enough, you know, like the the problem with this tweet was he said developers uh, and, you know, developers are lazy. And that obviously enraged a whole bunch of people, uh, me included. Mm-hmm. He has since corrected. Uh, he yeah. also has a, another paid podcast that he does with this other iOS celebrity named John Gruber. Both of them oh, are, okay. yeah, so... But, it's called dithering dithering.fm so in a subsequent episode he has like uh sort of corrected uh what he meant and he did admit he said it was like a poor choice of wording he when he said developers he basically meant developers as like you know people who develop app and that included companies so it wasn't people per se yeah so in his mind facebook would be you know like developers uh oh, yeah. google would be developers and in that context it definitely seems far far less offensive but from the initial initial tweet as is the case with most things on Twitter, like since you only have 140 characters, sometimes you don't get the opportunity to like explain yourself completely, right? Yeah, context gets lost in Twitter all the time. People explode over that stuff a lot, which it can be easily taken out of context. Yeah, and I mean, it was the same case for me too, right? I I was enraged too, and I was like, whoa, lazy developers. And so before like the whole clarifying thing came, a lot of people like replied in those tweets, a lot of Android developers, like, you know, extremely angry with, his comment uh replied my initial gut reaction was also to like reply in like full rage and fury but you know as you probably know like over time we have seen a lot of like uh things like this in the past and like the Mm -hmm. smartest thing and i think i you might have also been the person who gave the three buckets analogy thing right Mm -hmm. so part of me was like you know it, it, it always makes sense to take some time to think about what you want to say and then say it well right like you don't want to regret what you say just because you know you're angry like nothing good comes off of that yeah i agree it's um yeah i think you said the three buckets that that is a blog post that i did write um we can put that in in the show notes um, but I also think it's important, and I think you you did this, is to recognize when you have that visceral reaction to something that someone said, could be in person, could be a blog post, could be a tweet, whatever. But anytime you have that visceral reaction, um, that's an opportunity for you to look inside and say, all right, why am I feeling that way? 
Um, is it exposing something in myself that perhaps that I'm not comfortable with? Um, mm. And I know a lot of times that's that's the case for me. And I need to kind of look back and say, all right, well, I'm not saying that everyone's lazy, not at all, uh, or lazy developers, but it's a chance for me to look back and say, all right, have I been lazy? Yeah. But in fact, I am going to tell you that I am a lazy developer because I want to make things as easy as possible. But Again, that whole, um, what he was saying about the applications, everything is easily taken out of context. Um, and I kind of want to get into your, I guess you would say response blog post, which was very well written. Thank you. Um, so if you kind of like walk us through what your response was, uh, and then we can kind of dissect it from there. For sure. So my whole point with uh, the response was my gut reaction to what he said about developers, the characterization of about developers was obviously completely wrong. He's got that piece wrong. But, you know, like you said, there was like a an element of truth. There was like some shred of truth to what he said about the quality of third-party apps. And I know maybe I'm not in the, not everyone subscribes to the same opinion, but I generally think that there are like a lot of really top-notch, amazing, high-quality apps on both platforms. But if I were to pick, well, let me actually uh, step back a little. So like a common response to what he said about like the third-party apps, right, is uh, people usually say, well, okay, let's compare two apps. Take the app on Twitter, uh, well, you know, or take the Gmail app on iOS and the Gmail app on Android and let's compare and like, you know, tell me if one is better than the other and haha, look like these don't exactly, they aren't that different, they're the same. So like your whole position is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that's one way to look at it, but it's like tricky because, you know, if you take the Gmail app, obviously it's by Google and Google has high stakes on Android, right? So it isn't necessarily the same comparison. Instead, what I wanted to do is I generally do feel this, right? And I think I've talked to you about this. There are certain apps on the iPhone that are just like, they, they're they amazing apps. Like the quality just like blows anything I've ever seen, uh, you know, on any other, uh, on Android per se. And so that's basically what I said. I said, okay, let's, how about we do this, right? Let's look at purely just the OS platforms and see like the capability of each platform, right? Like, can I, if you give me the best app in category category X uh, for a specific, uh, yeah, for a specific category, if you give me the best app for iOS and Android, let's compare those. Let's see what, like, you know, your what developers can really do. And, you know, that's like the angle I was trying to, like, go at it. And I have, like, some examples of, like, some iOS apps, right? And, that was my point. I was like, look at the quality of how these apps are built. And yeah. like, let's try to find something off the same cat, right? Like I want, like, what is the best, uh, you know, RSS reader you can find on Android? And what is mm-hmm. the best RSS reader you can find on the, uh, on iOS? Let's compare those, right? What's the best? And the one that's really easy is let's look at, and we've talked about this in previous episodes too, right? Like what's the best music making app that you can find, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and GarageBand, like, and is like a I don't know if it's actually it's not native on iOS. I think you have to download it, but it's built by Apple. Mm-hmm. It is a phenomenal app, you know, and it's not just in like you know user design and that kind of stuff. But what what it allows you to do, the capabilities of like GarageBand, is phenomenal, right? There is no music making app, to my knowledge, on Android that comes close to GarageBand. No, not at all. It's not. You can't even compare. In fact, I'm I'm going to take a step further and say. 
no multimedia applications can even touch multimedia applications on iPhones. Like iPhone uh, multimedia application that goes for video editing, audio editing, uh, music making, uh, photos, etc. Um, any of those. And this is probably not going to be a, a very popular opinion uh, for most people, but I feel th the iOS versions completely blow them out of the water in regards to Android. And that's that's not a hit on developers. I think that's th that's one thing I want to make clear. It's not a hit on developers. We have to understand the technology in which we're working with uh, and also the limits of the actual devices that we're working within. Um, so that makes it very challenging. It's a little subtle, right? It isn't, because then like, again, people start to question, oh, so is it not possible to build something like that on Android? It is, like, you know, the capability is present, but, and this is the crux of what I was trying to bring with the whole blog post, right? It is possible, but to get to that 80% is easy, right? Like if you're looking for 80% quality, like it's, it's pretty easy to do that on both platforms, right? Yes. Uh, but the last 20% is where it gets really hard on like Android, at least in my opinion, right? If you want to build like the kind of quality of like something like GarageBand, for example, oh. that last 20% is going to like take 80% of the time, you know, like the whole, uh, you know, how the 80-20 rule goes. Yeah, the Proto principle. Exactly. So that last 20% on Android is where it gets extremely difficult. But on iOS, like it doesn't. And that was the angle that I was bringing at, right? Because it isn't about lazy Android developers at all, you know? And even if I know like that's probably not what he meant eventually, yeah. the point is, on, if anything, and I've also like another part of my blog post where I was trying to explain my ideas, if anything, I think Android developers care a lot about engineering, software engineering practices more so, I would say, I would go so far as to say they care way more about like good engineering practices than even iOS developers. Yeah, I've, I've been on tons of, I mean, countless teams where we have iOS uh, developers on, the, you know, for the iOS platform while I'm working on the Android platform. And by far, in my experience, the Android teams are always focused more on patterns, practices, design principles, uh, software engineering. Uh, and the thing is, is it, it just, when I talked to the iOS folks at some teams, there were some companies that were very advanced. Uh, for example, um, like American Express, uh, mm. their iOS team, amazing. They do some, some great engineering, uh, really care about patterns, practices, all that kind of stuff. The Some other companies that I've worked for, they just didn't even worry about it. And the app just worked very well. And I think you kind of got into that a little bit inside of your blog mm -hmm. post. Yeah, so that was my point. Like the thing is for iOS developers, it, it, the reason that they didn't have to like, you know, sweat the details as much is because they don't need to. That's the point, what, right? Why don't they need to? I mean, what's what do you think the real reason that, that the iOS folks don't need to? So there are a couple of reasons. A, I think... Again, like this may not be the most popular opinion, but I think yeah. Apple just was first in this race, right? Like even if Android had uh, an operating system before, like you said, right? I've, in many ways, I think it was like retrofit into working for the phone, like in the very mm -hmm. early, early days I'm talking about, right? But iOS was just built like to work for the phone, for like yes. the iPhone, right? And yes. so everything about iOS is like, let's make this specific device the best, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of like specific reasons that I bring about in like, you know, that uh, blog post too, right? A, 
and this, I think we've maybe talked about this too. We talk so much about dependency injection and dagger, right? Like to this yeah. day, you know, and it's almost like an ongoing thing. Even like last week, you know, there's another, like for folks who are interested, there's this thing called Anvil by Square, which is another plugin that I'm really interested about. Uh, you know, it's similar to like Hilt uh, from Dagger, from Google that uh, they released for Dagger. But I mean, just think about it, right? Like Google, the big company that it is, actually uh, focused on writing uh, an extension to an existing dependency injection framework, Dagger, that already exists. Like how crazy is that, right? You know, To make it easier. I mean, just for that simple reason. Right. And you know what uh, iOS folks do, Don? What do they do? What library they use? What? They don't use one. <laughs> you know why? Do they do constructor injection? Yeah. You can just like call the constructor. Like you can like, you know, have a view controller, their activity. Just think about this. Like how crazy is this? If you could create an activity and pass dependencies in the constructor. So for, for people that are visiting us for me for the first time, uh, new listeners or whatever, if you may have seen where as our artwork says, software podcast, there's, if you're not familiar with Android, with Android, you can't. Uh, given kind of the root level entry points of your application, such as uh, the application object, activities, fragments, etc., um, you know there's some caveats, but you cannot perform constructor injection. You just don't have that ability. So you're kind of having to do some weird um, mutator injection uh, or field injection, uh, which gets kind of a little hairy. The reason they do this is because, you know what, the system can terminate your application at any point of time, and you can't rely on the system to call your constructors and have your activity be reconstructed, right? Yeah. My response to that is, yeah, that's a good reason, but you know what would be even better? Not even having to worry about it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, why is the system, like, even, like, having to do that? And I know, like, obviously, it's easy for me to sit here, like, as we have, like, this gargantuan operating system that's, like, served millions and millions of people, right? I, I get that. But, like, these are the small things that land up becoming a big issue in the end. Yeah, and I think you, you touched on it kind of briefly, is that when the iPhone was developed, uh, it was developed for a phone. And I, we've touched, again, on this on the podcast numerous times, is... Android was initially not developed for a phone. Android was actually a camera operating system that was an independent company outside of Google. 2005, Google acquired the Android Corporation um, and at that point in time started turning it into a phone operating system. And it wasn't, as soon as the iPhone came out, Google realized like, wow, we don't have any feet in this game whatsoever. And mobile is gonna be a humongous platform and we're completely locked out of it. And we need to get into that platform somehow. So they had Android uh, and they took what they had and turned it into a phone operating system. And so unfortunately, you're left with a lot of design decisions that were made previously. Uh, and, and to be honest, at, at some point, there's part of the operating system that was and is a kind of like a house of cards. And we've just kind of, or not weave, but Google has reinforced the foundation. So it's a little more stable. But we're working with something that wasn't built for what it's kind of being used for. And now we're kind of just kind of slapping more lipstick on this thing as we go along and it makes more challenging. And, and you mentioned this before as well, is that um, I think you did in your blog post that Android, you know, and iPhone being different, you know, there's different languages, there's different technologies. Uh, Android runs a JVM, it has a VM that runs. And this is kind of coming from my perspective is that, 
one of the reasons why a lot of iPhone apps are better is because uh, as developers, they were required to write Objective-C for a long time. And if you've ever written Objective-C, you kind of have to start managing memory and you have to kind of start worrying about some pointers. And I know there's idiosyncrasies and I'm not going to get into the details, but you are really close to the metal. And that meant you had to kind of watch what you were doing inside of your application. And in the JVM, you don't really have to do that because the garbage collector is going to take care of a lot of that, which then also introduces some other problems of, you know, indeterminism and so forth like that, that could lock up your application. And what I'm trying to say is really, is that on, uh, on iPhone, you're really writing really close to the metal. I mean, you're writing like a C level language and C is notoriously faster than, than Java. Um, and a lot of those things, when you have to manage those things and the times that I've written iPhone applications, you don't get this pretty little application, not, you know, not responding error. <laughs> the app just strip crashes. <laughs> it just disappears. Right. And you're like, what happened there? And then you need to go digging for, for clues. And so, um, there had to be, there's diff different ways that the applications were made. And I think that, uh, iPhone with its heart, with its, you know, very, you know, it's, it's got some high quality hardware and with the languages and technologies it's used uh, allows for especially a lot more multimedia applications and a lot more robust applications uh, to be built with a lot less software engineering effort. I mean, and you brought up a fantastic point, like the whole memory model, right? Like where mm -hmm. you have like a mini JVM of sorts running, right? Which does garbage collection in part, like, you know, the smoothness of the UI in the early days uh, was because like, you know, if you had like the garbage collector run in between, it would mm -hmm. just like lock your UI up, right? Like, you yep. know, in that, uh, like in those- The jitter. Yeah, the jitter. And like you said, in the early days for iOS, they had to like ma like manage that memory on their own, which is crazy mm -hmm. to think about it. Uh, of course, these days they have this thing called ARC, which is auto reference counting or automatic reference counting yeah. or something, you know? So mm -hmm. they don't actually have to do that. But exactly, like you said, it's closer to the metal. Like every object is almost managed individually, mm -hmm. which means you don't ever like run in, well, you, not that you don't ever, but you know, it greatly minimizes the kind of uh, situations that would arise where performance is an issue, your view doesn't render correctly and that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and even the Rx stuff, they, you know, like Rx, Rx Java, like Android developers were very early on like jumping uh, onto Rx, right? But this whole thread management thing was something that was unique to Android. Like we had to care way more about switching threads uh, or, you know, schedulers or thread pools than the iOS folks do, right? It was crazy. And this was like maybe a year back or two years back when I was uh, working with my iOS colleagues. Yeah. They didn't, like their first pass of building a feature, they didn't even think about it. You know, yeah. database calls, all that is like happening in the main thread. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, what are you talking about? Why would you do that, right? And there was, and like, you know, I remember my colleague's response. He's like, yeah, you're right. You know, we should probably do that and it might make it faster. You know, as a general practice for performance, it might uh, make it better. But in practice, it barely matters. Again, because of the way the iPhone was built, right? It was built originally, you know, multitasking was something that was actually added much later on to iPhone, right? So it was written to be like a fully optimized, like single, like blazingly fast single threaded processor, right? So what it runs, it will run super fast, right? And because of that kind of a memory model, like in many ways, it made it easier for like developers to not have to care about this until much later, you know? Yeah. And I, th I want to make this very, very clear is that in my professional opinion here, 
I feel that Android developers have it way harder than iOS developers. And that's not discounting that iOS development is easy. No, all software is, is difficult. It's hard to be a programmer. But the and there's a few reasons for this is because, and my, my opinion is, let's just take it kind of from a 30,000 foot view. How many iOS devices are there? There's, there's a number of them. There's a number of form factors, but for the longest time, there was just a handful. And still, if you can, if you juxtapose it against Android, there is still just a handful of iOS devices. Sure, you have the iPhone 11 and 11 Max, and you know the mm -hmm. the, the S and the SE. I think it is the smaller yeah. ones, but literally, there's just a, there's just a handful of them. Mm -hmm. So you can get your application blazingly fast, run perfect, buttery smooth on that new Pixel device that you're running on Android. And then someone in another country installs it on some weird off-the-shelf device, and that thing just completely lags, blows up the memory, crashes the application. That's something that Android developers have to worry about. And so do you make that application available to that device? Do you not? Do you limit your market size? These are all decisions that you have to make. Do you restrict the features because you know the lower-end models can't support it? iOS developers don't have to worry about that. They have a low, they have a very small subset of devices they have to adhere to. They know that there's memory that's going to be available at this very minimum level. Android, we don't. We're like a web browser. And, and that's a weird comparison, but I have no idea if this thing's going to be run on a, on a small little tablet. I have no idea if it's going to be run on a big tablet, on a phone, a, a bigger phone. Like, I don't even know. Like, I just have to let everything scale and hope it works out and do as much testing as I can. You don't have to worry about that as an iOS developer. And then when you get into the details, like you said, like, hey, we're going to run a database query on the main thread because it's just super fast and built for that. Uh, and it works. We have to worry about that. Right. <laughs> and as Android, or Android developers have to worry about that. And so overall, I feel that Android developers definitely have it much more difficult, not discounting iOS developers. Xcode sucks, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Yeah. So Android Studio is way better than Xcode. But... When we look at, you know, the entire ecosystem, I, I definitely feel that iOS developers can uh, have it like a walk in the park compared to a lot of Android developers. There's like a couple of follow-up points from what you said, which makes perfect sense. The common retort is, well, have you used Xcode? The, like it really sucks. Android yeah. Studio is better. So the tools are better. Totally. And yes, the tools are better. And you know what? Actually, Google does a phenomenal job uh, reacting to developers. They listen to us, uh, you know, relative mm -hmm. to uh, like relative to like Apple and the iOS developers to them, the fact that Apple would even care, let alone listen, is like crazy, right? So we have it way better on that front. But I think in large part, you know, a lot of this is like reaction. That core foundation was not as strong as iOS. And so we're yeah. having to like account. And yes, we do a lot of things to, you know, manage that problem. But eventually, if you had a stronger core, like a lot of these problems would have gone away. We wouldn't have to worry about a lot of these problems, right? Um, yeah. And it is what it is. Yeah, Android, like the reason it became popular and like so many, it has such a big market share is because of some of those compromises that were made. Hindsight is 2020, but... Totally is. And you nail it. Hindsight is 2020. It is what it is. And I, I actually spoke to someone from Google who's been there for quite a while. The name, they'll be renamed nameless for, the, for their safety. But... I brought up these points to say, hey, look, you know, Android is is kind of like this pig with lipstick sometimes and it mm -hmm. sucks and like testing is a, is a freaking nightmare and like I can't stand it. And sometimes I literally want to throw my, my phone through my computer because Gradle says I can't find the test suite or Gradle fails or something takes 35 minutes to build. And oh God, yeah. like all the frustrations that we've all had 
And, you know, the, the person looked at me and said, well, you got to realize that at that point, back when Android, uh, when the iPhone came out, this is all that Google had. And we all had to execute immediately to be able to survive. We had to get a product out and that product was Android and it's not perfect and it's never going to be perfect. And without us making the, the decisions that we did back then, none of us would be here in this developer ecosystem. He goes, so yeah, it sucks. Yeah, we know it sucks. We're trying to fix it, but it just kind of is what it is. And we just got to kind of move forward. That makes perfect sense. Like, especially to what you were saying, you know, there were compromises that were made. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember when I posted my tweet uh, about this blog post, uh, uh, Ben uh, Dotson, I think he's uh, an Android developer at uh, Snapchat. He responded too, right? Like he said, like, don't, you're underestimating, you're also uh, underestimating the impact of an ailing Android view hierarchy, right? Like that's 30, like the view class has like a, around like 30,000 lines of code. Mm -hmm. That's you. That's got to have like an impact in some ways to like performance, right? Like you oh, cannot yeah. avoid that. And view is like the most basic thing that we use on Android, right? Like everything's inherited from it, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of like that baggage that has been accumulated that, you know, requires like, cleaning up it's, it's not easy and like who knows maybe you can never and jetpack compose is like the opportunity to be able to like move away from a lot of that again i think it is based on views but there was a conversation again that was going on about that but it, like there's a lot of baggage uh, that comes with having like this ailing sort of system things are so old and eventually businesses have to make the decision like are they going to support they, and you've seen this happen i'm sure you've done with it like hey we're only going to support up to this api level because though the the refresh rate of you know the operating system only moves at a certain rate and thankfully most libraries now are being pulled out into or most com core components are being pulled out into libraries but even the new operating system upgrades are not going to be available to most people for a couple of years until they upgrade their phones so it's kind of a, a nice well, not a nice but a, a challenging aspect of app development with businesses of like all right at what level are we going to stop supporting an old version because it's just slowing us down too much because of X, Y, and Z. Right, right, right. And again, with Android, I know they've, they have to support like a whole bunch of like previous versions, right? Like Android as in Google does, because there's still like a lot of parts of the world where they use super old versions of Android that you frankly cannot avoid. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember, I think it was maybe Facebook or someone who said that they have a very similar yeah. problem. And the challenges are like, crazy when you talk about having to support like you know android 8 or 9 oh this, that just sends like shivers down my spine just thinking about it yeah and it goes back to the whole device situation and a lot of those devices and a lot of you know smaller remote areas of the world that don't have great connectivity running on limited hardware like and you've seen this with i think like facebook there's like a facebook light app and uh which was which happened way back in the day with Android Market. There was always like the light version and I right. went away and now it's kind of come back because uh, folks need to be able to, you know, to download an app that's not heavyweight or they may need messenger likes. They don't need all the features, but they do need to communicate. One last point I wanted to bring up with this whole thing is again, comparing it to like the work for iOS developers, right? Uh, for us, like, and this, I, I, I talked about this in the blog post and this is like first-hand experience, right? I remember when I was at wedding party, we had like a camera like app and we had to like support a lot of that stuff. I would spend sleepless nights basically getting function. I would build the whole functionality. It would work amazingly well on a pixel. I would be happy, oh. but that again, you know, we would 
if I have to support more than just one device, I would spend like sleepless nights trying to get it to work just right on like just work forget like you know polishing just to get the functionality yeah. to work because of some weird platform like specific bugs in the meantime my ios colleagues would like casually just like you know maybe finish like their first iteration after like me but you know what for them they were pretty much done at that point and yeah all the leftover time they could spend on like really polishing like the details and like the small nuances right which you know lands up uh producing a much better and higher quality app you know and is that like the fault of the lazy developer no oh. it's just that you need way more time to get uh, to that last 20% right you do it's, a, it's the last 20% and you know the last thing for for me to say is that a lot of iOS folks are like well why is it so difficult in android mm-hmm. let's also remember that android is the most popular operating system in the world Right. It's, yeah. it's installed in the most places throughout the world. It's going to allow people to get connected throughout the world. So yeah, it's going to take, I mean, especially given how it's built, it's going to take more effort. And it just kind of is what it is at this point. And we just kind of have to accept it if you're going to be developing for Android, that uh, that's just how it is. And there's just a lot of trade-offs that you have to make throughout the day and, and figure out what's best for your, your business and your market. And I know you would appreciate this angle, but there's also the fact that just iOS users are more willing to spend money, right? Oh, totally. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's a common stat that's cited where they're like, well, Android has the bigger market share, so shouldn't companies slash developers focus on Android? Uh, Yes, but you know, that's not how the world works. Like in the end, you need to make money and the people who are more willing to pay money are the ones that are going to potentially get more resources and time, right? So Mm -hmm. if I'm an indie developer... And I have to build the choices between building an iOS app or an Android app. I'm going to pick the one that gives me more money, you know, and that's yeah. no fault of my own. That's smart. That's what you should be doing. Yeah. If you want to make a business out of it, you have to look at, you know, a business is, is something that makes money. It's profit. It's otherwise it's a hobby. And I think that's a lot. A lot of people don't like hearing that, especially if they have side project. Well, I want to make this free. That's fine. You can make it free. But if you have zero intentions on, on making money off of it, it's a hobby. Yeah. And if you want to make money off it, then you do have to perform some type of market analysis and figure out where you're going to get the best bang for the buck. Is it iOS? Maybe. Is it Android? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Depends on your use case. But I will say this, like in the, I know like we've gone like this really dark turn on Android, <laughs> but. That's just being real though. I mean, it's not. It is, yeah, yeah. That, that is fair. But in the end, there's a huge opportunity here. That's the beauty mm-hmm. of this, right? Uh, you know what? As Android, and a lot of Android developers who listen to our podcast are like, you know, some of the best in the world, right? Like yeah. top notch folks. So there's an opportunity. Like, you know, we should prove people wrong. Like let's sweat the details. Let's come out with these apps obviously you know uh, if you don't there's no fault but I, I and i gave some examples right like there's like a, a to-do list app that i love on the iphone called things there's yeah. and forget that like there's an rss reader app called reader r-e-e-d-e-r mm-hmm. i mean if folks have an iphone i highly encourage you to like try this i mean it's a freaking rss reader you know <laughs> but the level of details and polish that goes into this is mind freaking blowing you know and in some ways, I feel inspired, right? Like my Pixel 4a is supposed to be coming end of this month. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I want to like sweat the details. I want to build like an app, even if it's a small app. Like, what does it take to like really build that kind of polish to make it like a phenomenal kind of Android app? There's opportunity there, right? And if you're one of those Android developers who can pull it off, 
trust me, a lot of companies are looking for people like that. And, you know, it's as Android developers, this is a huge opportunity, right? If you can be uh, someone who champions high quality products and is like an Android developer who can pull it off, you stand to like make a lot of money, you know? You do. Folks ask all the time, how do I, you know, get into consulting? How do I do it? But, you know, what you're doing, Don, and, and that's just being, being out there. And I said, well, you have to just do your best work. And, and focus and, and push stuff out there and, and share what you know. It's funny. That's like your story, basically, right? Yeah, and just share what you know. You became that person who was able to like pull off like high-quality Android apps. You know, If it was MyFitnessPal, a lot of like the early stuff that you worked on, group mm-hmm. on. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just, but that's the thing is like just do your best work and, and, and just ship high-quality stuff and people will start hearing about it. People will learn about it, talk about it. And eventually, you know, there is, like you said, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And that's literally how I got started because there was not a lot of folks out there that would ship high quality stuff. Everything would crash, nothing would work. And I'd come in to a lot of companies, to a lot of even small companies that would have, you know, one or two employees and I'd help fix their, their Android application. Like, oh, here's the, you know, the Here's what's going to give us the best bang for the buck. Here's your budget. Cool. I'm going to fix all these glaring issues and then at least make it stable so then they could start, you know, iterating and improving. And you do stuff like that, just identify problems and and solve them correctly and make the applications work. You have a big future. Yeah. Well said. I think we kind of really hashed out that blog post of yours and I hope that clarifies a lot of details for a lot of people because I know there was a quite a discussion on your uh, on your tweet that you had about it yeah 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 and I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you in depth as well because sometimes there's only so much you can talk about like in a yeah. blog post right it's the advantage of having a podcast you can like really flush your feelings out <laughs> <laughs> go deep on it so perfect uh anything else you wanted to add on that Don nope but I think that wraps it up pretty much I think we covered it Alrighty, and I'll catch you later Don see you later that's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.